Hello, and welcome to another episode of Nostalgic Mystery Radio. I'm your host, Stevie Kay, and it's my honor to bring you the radio shows of yesteryear. For this episode, I bring you Agatha Christie's Miss Marple and Murder at the Vicarage. In St. Mary Mead, no one is despised more than Colonel Prothero. Even the local vicar has said that killing him would be doing a service to the townsfolk. So when Prothero is found murdered in the same vicar's study and two different people confess to the crime, it is time for Miss Marple to exercise her detective abilities. This will be a five-part series, so sit back and relax, and I hope you enjoy this Nostalgic Mystery Radio. Thank you for listening. Solving a murder is rather like playing patience. It is all a matter of waiting until the cards come out. Colonel Prothero's murder at the vicarage, the false confessions of his wife and her lover, the mysterious Mrs Lestrange, the discovery that Dr Stone was an imposter, and just as I thought that everything was going to fall neatly into place, something has happened which I did not in the least expect. Yet another confession. We present June Whitfield as Miss Marple and Francis Matthews as the Reverend Leonard Clement in Agatha Christie's Murder at the Vicarage. Clement! I say, Clement! Ah, Colonel Melchard. I was just on my way over to see you. Yes, I can't spare a moment, Colonel. I'm afraid I must see Hawes at once. Why? What's the matter? Well, you know soon enough, I imagine. He's just telephoned me saying that he wants to confess. Your curate? Well, I'm sure it was his voice, but the phone call was cut off before he could say very much. That's why I want to get round there as quickly as I can. Uh, Should I come with you? Yes, I think it would be best. Uh, There was something I wanted to tell you, Clement. For all I know, it may all tie in with what Hawes has to say. Oh, what's that? Uh, that note, the one you found on your study desk. Or the letter that Prothero never lived to finish. Yeah, well, we got an expert onto it to say whether the 620 was added by a different hand. Mm. Uh, naturally, we sent up a sample of Prothero's handwriting. And you know the verdict? No. That letter was never written by Prothero at all. Do you mean it was a forger? Oh, yes. Yeah, they're quite certain about that. Well, you know, it's curious. Miss Marple was saying only earlier this evening that that note was all wrong. Oh, confound the woman. She couldn't know more about it if she'd committed the murder herself. Ah, well, this is the house here. Hall's lodges with Mrs. Sadler. Well, the poor woman may have gone to bed, of course. Well, there's a light in Hall's window. At least he'll hear us. Who is it? I'm sorry to disturb you at this late hour, Mrs. Sadler. Oh, it's you, Vicar. It is of the greatest importance that we speak with Mr. Hawes at once. Oh, won't you come in? Oh, thank you. I suppose he's still up, but I haven't seen him since I took him his supper. There is a light on up there. Do you mind if we go up? Oh, please do. Thank you. Is there anything I can get you, gentlemen? No, thank you, Mr. Shuttle. Oh, surely the fellow can't have fallen asleep. I'm blowed. He is asleep. Not what you'd expect from a man with a murder on his mind. Wake up, man. Hawes? He's not asleep. He's drugged by the look of it. There's an empty cachet box here. 
Any idea what he was taking? Well, he did mention some kind of headache powders. Do you think he may have taken an overdose? It looks terribly like it. Uh, Dr. Haydock only lives a few doors down the road. I'll, I'll send Mrs. Sadler round to fetch him. Perhaps it might have been more merciful to leave him as he is. If he has to face the gallows, it is not for us to judge him. It looks as if he was taking the easy way out. Oh, you can't be certain, Clement. But you see, I found this while you were downstairs. It was by the side of his chair. It looks as though it fell from his hand. But this is Brother O's writing. Yes, Hawes must have taken it away after the murder. My dear Clement, it's a particularly unpleasant thing that I have to say. After all, I think I'd prefer to write it all down for you. We can discuss it later, when you've had a chance to consider. It concerns recent peculations. I'm sorry to say that I have satisfied myself beyond any possible doubt as to the identity of the culprit. Painful as it is for me to have to accuse an ordained priest of the church, my duty is only too painfully clear. An example must be made. And then, presumably, he was shot. So it was Hawes, the one man we never even considered. And remorse drove him to confess. The poor devil. But what an ass the fellow was not to destroy the note. Fancy hanging on to it. Well, human nature is full of inconsistencies. Mm-hmm. If it weren't, I doubt if we should ever catch a murderer. You look rather under the weather, Clement. This must have come as a most dreadful shock for you. Yes, yes, it has. Hawes has been behaving very strangely for some time, but I never Mrs. dreamed... Mr Sadler says Hawes has been taken ill. What's the matter with him? I think he's taken an overdose. Now, let's have a look at him. Hello, Melchett. What are you doing here? Hawes rang Clement a little while ago. He said he wanted to confess. To Prothero's murder? I fear everything points to that. And you want me to save him for the gallows, is that it, Melchett? I shall want to see him brought to justice, if that's what you mean. You won't be able to hang him, you know. You mean he won't recover? May. May not. I didn't mean that. But even if he does recover, the poor devil wasn't responsible for his actions. I shall give evidence to that effect. Do you want me to ring for an ambulance? Uh, No, no. I'll take him down to Much Benham in my car. It'll be quicker than an ambulance. And we need every second we can get. Now, give me a hand with him, will you? I am sorry if I'm intruding, but I felt that I had to come round and see if there were anything I could do. Very kind of you, Miss Marple. But how the devil... uh, How on earth did you know we were here? I was with Mr Clement when he received the call. After he left, I asked the exchange to trace where it had come from. Mm, Really? Well, I did want to know what had happened. Very thoughtful of you. But there's nothing to be done. Haydock's taken him off to hospital. Oh. Actually, to hospital. Oh, that is a great relief. He'll be quite safe there. Safe? When you say nothing to be done, do you mean he may not recover? It seems rather doubtful. I suppose he took an overdose. I think you'd better take a look at this note. It was crumpled on the floor by where he was sitting. Thank you. All this business of Haydock's about Hawes being a sick man and not responsible for his actions, what's supposed to be wrong with him? Well, he had been suffering from some disease which could cause changes in the personality. I've never heard such utter rubbish. Oh, the poor man must have been dreadfully distressed. It does confirm what you suspected, Miss Marple. There was another note. It was very fortunate that you acted as quickly as you did, Mr Clement. It brought you here in the nick of time. In the nick of time for what? To save your curate's life, of course. You don't think it might be better if Hawes didn't recover? Now, I know you don't agree, Melchett. But we know the truth now, and there really is no need... The truth? Of course. 
That's what he wants you to think. It all fits in so conveniently. The letter and the overdose and poor Mr Hawes wanting to confess. But it is all wrong. All wrong? What do you mean? That is why I'm so glad that Hawes is in hospital where no one can get at him. If he recovers, he'll tell you the truth. And what do you believe that to be? That he never touched a hair of Prothero's head. Oh, but what about the telephone call? The letter that Prothero's writing? Oh, oh, yes, he's very clever. Keeping the letter and making use of it in this way was very clever indeed. Who do you mean by he, Miss Marple? Why, the man responsible for the murder, of course. Lawrence Redding. Lawrence Redding? Dear Miss Marple, that's quite absurd. Redding's been completely clear. Oh, naturally, he saw to that. On the contrary, he did his best to get himself accused of the crime. Yes, yes, and you yourself, I remember, did say that his confession proved he had nothing to do with the murder. Oh, yes. He took me in as thoroughly as everyone else. It upset all my ideas and made me think him innocent, when up until then I'd felt convinced that he was guilty. You mean you suspected him from the first? I know that in books it is always the most unlikely person, but I never find that rule applies in real life. So often it is the obvious that is true... Much as I have always liked Mrs. Prothero, I could not avoid coming to the conclusion that she was completely under Mr. Redding's thumb and would do anything he told her. Well, the older woman with a young lover, you know. And he is not the kind of man who would dream of running away with a poor woman. From his point of view, it was essential that the Colonel should be removed. Oh, forgive me, Miss Marple, but the whole thing's absolute nonsense. Redding's time is fully accounted for until 6.45, and Haydock says positively that Prothero had been dead at least half an hour when he examined the body at 7 o'clock. Mm. Oh, and Dr Haydock is quite right. Of course, it was Mrs Prothero who actually shot her husband. And Prothero... It only came to me how it had been done when I noticed that palm in the pot by your study window. Mad. Quite potty. I was quite relieved at first when it seemed I had been wrong, and I began to think of other people who had a positive motive for wanting Colonel Prothero out of the way. Oh, your seven suspects? Yes, indeed. Well, I, I won't go into all of them now, but there was that man Archer, who had threatened to be avenged on Prothero, and, of course, there was your maid. <laughs> You can't possibly have suspected Mary. She has been walking out with Mr Archer for quite a long time. And she's a very queer-tempered girl. She's certainly that. And as for opportunity, she was alone in the house with Prothero. And then there was Lettuce, so desperate for her freedom. And there was the matter of why she left the Hartley Napier's tennis party so early. Mm. And there was you, of course, Vicar. Me? Well, there was the little problem of the church collection, was there not? Ah, yes. Yes, and either you or Mr Hawes must have been guilty. And I had said that the world would be a better place without him. Miss Marple, all this is very... I couldn't help wondering about Griselda. For goodness sake, Mrs Clement's completely out of it. She'd still have been on the 6.50 from London. Oh, that is what she said. But the train was half an hour late that night. And she was seen in the village at 25 past seven. So it followed. She must have come home by an earlier train. Yes, she must have done. Inspector Slack was certain that Mrs Lestrange had something to do with the crime. Oh, but that's quite another story. And then, of course... Miss Marlborough, I think it's time you told us why you think Redding and Mrs Prothero killed the Colonel and not go wandering on about why everyone else did not. Oh, 
Very well. I will put my explanation before you. On Thursday afternoon, the day of the murder, Lawrence Redding called on you, Mr Clement, knowing you to be out. I saw him pass by. Yes, that's right. I found him in my study. He told me that he wanted to know if I'd mind if he left his painting things in the studio while he tried to find somewhere to live in London. Before you arrived, he took the opportunity to conceal his pistol, loaded, in the potted palm by the window. Mary could be relied upon not to water it. At 5.30, he telephoned the vicarage from the North Lodge, adopting a woman's voice. He's a clever actor. I saw him in the charades last Christmas. Well, that's possible, and he I was... suppose. It was a very crackly line, I Well, remember. his impersonation was good enough to get you out of the vicarage. Mrs Prothero and her husband drove down to the village. And later, when she stopped by my cottage gate to talk to me, she made sure that I noticed she did not have her handbag with her. You mean to say that she killed Prothero when we all thought she just went round to see if he was in the study? Quite so. Well, the poor colonel was sitting at the desk, writing a letter about whores. He was deaf and didn't notice her come in from the window. She took the gun from the bowl, shot him through the head and was out again like a flash. But you'd have heard the shot. The gun was fitted with a silencer. Mrs Prothero was met at the studio by Mr Redding... And human nature being what it is, I'm afraid, they realised that I would not leave the garden until they came out again. And when they did come out? They were perfectly happy and rather gay. And there, of course, they made a mistake. Because if they really had said goodbye to each other as they pretended, they would have looked very different. Ah, I suppose they felt that if they appeared upset... It might look suspicious. Most likely. Yes. So then, Lawrence Redding goes off to the Blue Boar with Dr Stone to provide himself with an alibi. <laughs> Finally, he arrives at the vicarage, leaving it as late as he dares. He picks up the pistol with its silencer and leaves the letter with the time written on it in what is made to look like forged handwriting. Quite unexpectedly, he finds the note actually written by Colonel Prothero. And being a very intelligent young man, he realises that it might come in useful. Exactly. Hmm. He alters the hands of the clock to the same time as the letter, knowing that it is always kept a quarter of an hour fast. But why on earth should he do that? To make it look like someone else's clumsy attempt to incriminate Anne Prothero. Why was he so distraught when he rushed out of the house when I arrived? Oh, that was really quite clever. What would a murderer who had committed a crime try to do? Behave as if nothing had happened. And that is exactly what he does not do. <laughs> he then goes away, disposes of the silencer, and marches into the police station and makes a perfectly ridiculous self-accusation which takes everyone in. And the shot in the wood. How do you account for that? Precisely how he arranged it, I don't know. But I understand that picric acid explodes if you drop a heavy weight on it. So he rigged up some kind of time fuse to make a large stone fall on the crystals at just the right moment. And that was the stone that he'd picked up when I came across him in the wood. He was probably trying to clear up the traces and had to invent that ridiculous story about bringing it for my rock garden. Mm. Only it was quite the wrong sort of stone. And that put me on the right track. Oh, that's all very well, Miss Marble, but, but how do you account for this fellow Hawes? He actually rang up Clement and confessed. You can't get around that. That was really a remarkable sermon you gave this evening, Vicar. Hmm. 
and it must have affected Mr. Hawes deeply. He could bear it no longer and felt that he must confess about the misappropriation of the collection fund. What? It did not take much ingenuity on Lawrence Redding's part to work out that Prothero's letter referred to Mr. Hawes. I understand that he came to visit him here last night and spent a long time with him. He substituted a cachet of something fairly deadly for Hawes's headache cure and slipped Prothero's original note into the pocket of his dressing gown. I rather fancy Mr. Hawes found that letter tonight just after taking the fatal cachet and coming on top of the vicar's sermon. He rang me up to confess. Yes. Most extraordinary. Well, I suppose I have to admit, Miss Marple, that your solution's a very plausible one. But you'll allow me to point out that there's not a shadow of proof. I realise that. But you do believe it to be true, don't you? Well, it fits the facts. It's the way the thing could have happened. But there's not an atom of proof. That is why I thought that under the circumstances a little trap might be permissible. What sort of trap? Supposing Mr. Redding were to be rung up on the telephone and warned. Fly, all is discovered. Yes. <laughs> it's the oldest trick in the book, Miss Marple. Oh. Young Redding's far too downy a bird to be caught that way. It would have to be something very specific. I quite realise that. But what if the warning were to come from someone who is known to have rather unusual opinions on these matters? Dr. Haydock, for instance. He has some strange views about murder and is wholly opposed to capital punishment. And he detested Colonel Prothero. If he were to hint that somebody, oh, Mrs. Sadler, or one of her children, had actually happened to see the transposing of the caches, well, of course, if I'm wrong and Mr. Redding is innocent, that statement will mean nothing. But if he isn't... If he isn't, it might just do the trick. But will Haydock go along with it? Well, we shall just have to wait until he comes back and put it to him. I'll do anything in my power, within or without the law, to see that man brought to justice. To pick on a poor wretch like Hawes, and not just pin the crime on him... Put his life in serious danger? But Mr. Hawes will pull through. Oh, it's been a near thing, but he's out of immediate danger. Oh, God. Poor devil. As if he didn't have trouble enough already. So you'll help us? Just tell me what you want me to do. I am normally the most patient of souls. But on this occasion, I could not rest until I knew what had happened. Dr. Haydock had played his part excellently, of course... But there was no knowing how Lawrence Redding was going to react. The vicar was kind enough to go down to the police station to find out if there was any news. What I want to know, Constable, is how much longer I'm going to have to hang on here. What's that Inspector Slack up to? I've told you, Miss Cram, he's out on a case. My instructions are to detain you here. Just because one of those gossiping old cats had nothing better to do than to stand staring out of her window all night long... <laughs> Well, how could she see me? Tell me that. It was black as pitch. It was a bright, moonlit night, Miss Cram. And supposing the landlady of the Blue Boar identifies the suitcase as yours? If she says anything of the kind, she's wrong. There's no name on it. Nearly everybody's got a suitcase like that. It's all the fault of that meddlesome Miss Maples. I'll not stay a minute longer. Well, here's the inspector now. Oh, Lord, is that woman still here? I've forgotten all about her. Woman, indeed. Are you going to arrest me? You've no right to detain me here. I want to go. No one's stopping you. Just what do you mean by that? You are free to go, Miss Cram. Oh, and about time, too. 
I've had enough of this place. This is the last you'll see of me in St Mary Mead. Oh. <laughs> no jury in the land would convict a girl seen at that distance by an old lady in the middle of the night. No. And if she is guilty, we might get a line on stone by keeping a close eye on her. As far as I'm concerned, just at the moment, robbery is a small business compared with murder. So what happened? Did Haydock's telephone call do what we'd hoped? It worked like a dream, Vicar. Because the warning came from the doctor, he didn't suspect a thing. He knew there was no time to waste. He didn't dare wait until morning. He went straight off to Old Hall to his partner in crime. I had a couple of men posted there just by the door. As luck would have it, she came out the moment he arrived. Didn't want that stepdaughter of hers eavesdropping, I suppose. (laughs) My men heard everything. It left the matter in no doubt whatsoever. (laughs) It pains me to have to admit it. But she is a wily old bird, that Miss Marple. The arrest of Lawrence Redding and of Anne Prothero created quite a sensation, and not just in St Mary Mead. All the journalists from London descended on the village again, making everyone's life a perfect misery. Except the Blue Boar, of course, which did a roaring trade. Inspector Slack got all the credit, of course, and was greatly praised for his zeal and intelligence. (laughs) Since then, he's been more insufferable than ever. But there were still a few little mysteries which needed to be cleared up, particularly as far as Lettuce was concerned. All along I was convinced that it was Anne who had killed Father, and I was sure that if I looked around your study carefully enough, I might find something the police had overlooked. Which is why you pretended you'd lost your yellow berry. When I couldn't find anything, I dropped her earring. (laughs) Since I knew she'd done it, what did it matter? One way was as good as another. (sighs) What are you going to do, Lettuce? I'll stay until the trial is over. And then I'm going abroad with my mother. Your mother? Mm. But how have you traced her? Didn't you have a guess? Mrs Lestrange is my mother. What? She's dying, you know. It's not as bad as they feared at first. But she's only got a year at most. And she came down here simply to see you? With the help of Dr Haydock. Ah, yes. He was in love with her once. (laughs) I think he still is. She didn't come here under her own name because of the disgusting way people talk and gossip. There would have been plenty of gossip, certainly. She went to see my father that night and told him she was dying and had a great longing to see me. Father was a beast. He said she'd forfeited all right and that I believed she was dead. As though I'd ever have swallowed that old story. He turned her out of the house. So that was what the famous quarrel was about. But Mother isn't the sort to give in. She sent a note to me asking me to meet her at the end of the footpath at a quarter past six. On the day of the murder? Yes. Which is why you left the Hartley Napier's tennis party so early. You heard about that? Mm-hmm. Well, is there nothing that doesn't get talked about in this blasted village? <laughs> anyway, we only had time for a very horrid meeting and we arranged to see one another again. We left each other just before half past six. Afterwards, I was terrified that she'd be suspected of having killed Father. She had better cause than most. Inspector Slack certainly thought she'd done it. That's why I got hold of that old portrait of her up in the attic and cut the face out. I was afraid the police might go nosing about and recognise it. Dr Haydock was worried too. Sometimes I believe he really thought she had done it. Mother's a rather desperate sort of person. She doesn't count consequences. I can see now how like your mother you are. She and I belong together. Father and I didn't. 
Well, anyway, I shall be with her to the end now. Hmm. I do hope you find happiness someday, Lettuce. There hasn't been much of it so far. What's become of Dennis? I haven't seen him around. Has he gone away because of me? Oh, no, 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 he did nothing of the sort. An old college friend of mine mm -hmm. is starting up a new magazine, and I, I asked him if he could find Dennis a job. Oh, what kind of magazine? Well, as it happens, it's called Murder Mystery Monthly. <laughs> Remember me to him, <laughs> and give my love to Griselda. I was in Reading's cottage that evening. I did catch an earlier train back so that I could meet him without everyone wondering where I was. If I'd realised that within the hour he and Anne Prothero were going to commit murder... Are you... Are you concerned about what's going to happen to him? I don't feel anything at all. That evening, it was as if I were talking to a complete stranger, and that's how he appears to me now. It's as if I'd never known him. Mm. There hasn't been anything between us since before I married you. You must believe that. I... I just wanted him to take notice of me. Stupid feminine pride, I suppose. Well, I've... I've been well and truly punished for that. I was terribly hurt. I'm sure I don't have to tell you. But you can take it from me that you won't have the least cause to worry in the future. I'm going to be very sober and God-fearing, just like the Pilgrim Fathers. I must admit, I don't exactly see you as a Pilgrim Father. <laughs> <laughs> I have a steadying influence coming into my life, but in your case it will be a kind of rejuvenating one. At least, I hope so. Uh, my dear child, I haven't the faintest idea what you're talking about. <laughs> you're so hopeless. Hmm? At any rate, you won't be able to call me a dear child when we have one of our own. <gasps> Griselda. <laughs> oh, Griselda, I can't tell you how happy I am. Look, could you say just for once that you love me madly? Griselda, I adore you. <laughs> I'm wildly and quite unclerically crazy about you. <laughs> I... Oh, Lord, Miss Marple's coming across the garden. Oh, I can't, oh, I can't face her. I, I really can't. You, you won't tell her, will you? No, I wouldn't dream of doing such a thing. I, I don't want her offering me cushions and telling me to put my feet up. Uh, 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 tell her I've gone to the golf links. That'll, that'll put her off the scent. <laughs> I hope I'm not intruding. No, not at all, Miss Marple. Do come in. Oh, thank you. Oh, sit down. Thank oh. you. I really came to find out whether you'd heard the news. The news? Yes, about Gladys Cram. Oh, what about her? She has come back, walked into the police station as bold as brass and admitted it was she who took the suitcase up to the wood that night. So she's confessed to being involved in the burglary? Oh, goodness me, no. She says she did it all in good faith. Oh. It seems that Dr Stone, or whatever his real name is, told her that he feared another archaeologist was spying on his discoveries and might pirate them. So he told her that he had packed away his most significant finds in the suitcase and asked her if she would hide it in the woods. Well, if she believed that story, she must be even sillier than she looks. The police have decided to give her the benefit of the doubt. And so now, of course... She'll be on the lookout for another elderly bachelor. Mm, but the genuine article this time. <laughs> <laughs> and how is dear Griselda? Oh, she, she's fine. Fine. She's uh, gone off to the golf links. Oh, I hope she's not overdoing it. What do you mean, Miss Marple? In her condition. Her condition? 
I happened to be in the bookshop in Much Benham yesterday, and I couldn't help noticing what she was buying. <laughs> Mother Love, I think it was called. <sighs> I wonder, Miss Marple, if you were to commit a murder, whether you would ever be found out. Oh, what a terrible idea. I hope I could never do such a wicked thing. But human nature being what it is... How naughty of you, Mr Clement. But naturally, you are in good spirits. Give my love to dear Griselda and tell her any little secret is quite safe with me. In the final episode of Murder at the Vicarage by Agatha Christie, Miss Marple was played by June Whitfield and the Reverend Leonard Clement by Francis Matthews. Griselda Clement, Imelda Staunton, Dr. Haydock, Nigel Davenport, Colonel Melchett, Richard Todd. Lettuce Prothero, Rachel Atkins, Gladys Cram, Una Beeson, Inspector Slack, John Baddeley, Mrs. Sadler, Tina Gray, and the Constable, Dominic Letts. Murder at the Vicarage was dramatised for radio by Michael Bakewell and directed by Enid Williams. Mystery Radio presentation. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please feel free to like and rate this podcast on your favorite app. Also, there's a Nostalgic Mystery Radio YouTube page for your perusal to subscribe to. You can contact me by emailing me at nostalgicmysteryradio at gmail.com. I hope you have a blessed day or evening. And again, thank you for listening.